you will find your seats. We'll get started here this morning. So glad that you're here today. We are on week three of our message series called Origins, and we've been talking about how everything started. We started with the origin of the uh, of God. We talked about the origin origin of the cosmos last week. Today we're going to talk about the origin of mankind, not to the exclusion of womankind. We'll be talking about both this morning. And I want to start with something a little different today. Patrick, would you join me right from the start here? I want to ask you something. Uh, Patrick and I are going to stand here, and I want to ask you a question. How many different ways can Patrick and I stand in order? How many different ways can we stand? Two different ways. All right. Patrick Russ. Russ Patrick. Two ways. Kristen, come up and join us. How many different ways can the three of us stand? Any clues? Colt's got it because he's, he's really wicked smart. Six of us. We can stand in six different ways. All right? Now, those of you that I gave manila envelopes to, would you all come and join us right up here and just find any straight line? Just line up if you would. I've got 18 people here this morning. Just stand in a straight line right across and hold up those manila envelopes right in front of you. What do you think the odds are that these 18 people would line up in numerical order? Anybody have any idea? Not good. Let's see if it happened. Go ahead and reveal your numbers all across. All right. Uh, Nope, not even close. Okay, go ahead and close those. Would you just randomly mix yourselves up? Let's see if you could line up in numerical order this time. They have not seen their numbers. All right, we're having a little accident here. All right, go ahead and reveal. Are you in numerical order now? No, it's terrible. Try one more time. Mix it up one more time. See what happens. Oh, there we go. Okay, reveal. How'd you do? Horrible. Do you know, do you you know how many different ways 18 people can line up? Are you ready for this? There are six quadrillion different combinations. Six quadrillion different combinations if we were to systematically line them up. Do you know that if I had you 18 people rearrange yourselves once, every 60 seconds, it would take 8 billion years for you to exhaust all the possibilities. 8 billion years. Is that amazing? Think about this with me. Think about this with me. There are 400 amino acids in one protein. And there are 60,000 proteins in one human cell. Scientists suggest that the earth is about 12 billion years old. Do you know that it's mathematically impossible for a complete human being to evolve randomly in 12 billion years? It's impossible for 18 people to to randomly 
order themselves within six billion years. It's not mathematically possible. And so what, what we're going to be talking about today is where mankind came from. And if it's mathematically impossible for us to evolve from a gob of goo or from a family of apes or from Lucy, like that video that I showed last week suggested, where did we come from? I'm going to be answering that question for you today from the Bible. Would you give my friends a hand this morning? Would you leave your manila envelopes just right there if you would be so kind? Thanks so much for helping out, everybody. If we didn't come from a gob of goo, where do we come from? If you're taking notes this morning, and we have no cards right up here and back at the Welcome Center as well, if you didn't grab them yet, feel free to grab one. Here's what we're going to see from the Bible this morning. We're going to see that you and I are created a mago day. You and I are created a mago day. Turn to your neighbor and say, you are created a mago day. Now turn to your other neighbor and say, I don't even know what that means. We're going to talk about what Imago Day is today. We're going to talk about how Imago Day has been broken. And we're going to talk about how Jesus restores Imago Day. But first, I want us to read from Genesis chapter 1. You might want to use your Bibles this morning. If you've got a Bible, you might want to follow along with me because we're going to be jumping around a little bit between Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2. And to begin with today, I'm going to be in Genesis chapter 1, starting at verse 26, picking up on the sixth day of creation. So where we're picking up, we've had day 1, day 2, day 3, day 4, day 5, and now we're in day 6, and here's what we read from Genesis 1. Then God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Now we're going to jump down to verse 31. It says, Then God looked over all he had made, And he saw that it was very good. And evening passed and morning came, marking the sixth day. I mentioned this last week if you were here with us, how God looked at everything he had made on the first five days of creation and said, it's it's good. But did you know that when he looked at you, he said, it's very good. Sarah, when he created you, he said, Sarah's very good. Pam, you are very good. Right? Uh, Stan, you are very good. This is how we are created. 
Now, Genesis 1 gives us this beautiful, broad overview, the six days of creation. And Genesis 2, it's kind of cool because Genesis 2, it's like the camera zooms in onto day six when God created man and woman. And he gives us more details now in Genesis chapter 2. So if you've got your Bibles open, jump over to Genesis 2. I'm going to read uh, verse 7 to begin with. It says, Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground... He breathed the breath of life into the man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. And here's another thing that's just really cool. The Bible doesn't say this about any other living creature that God created. Into human beings alone, God breathed the breath of life. In your lungs is the breath of God. It's so significant to me that that this is uniquely human. Now jumping down to verse 18. The Lord God said, It's not good for the man to be alone. Every man in the room would say, Yep. Some of you were shy, but it's true. I will make a helper who is just right for him. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep, And while the man slept, the Lord God took out one of the man's ribs and closed up the opening. And then the Lord God made a woman from the rib and he brought her to the man. And the man exclaimed. Did you know Adam could sing? I kind of think it was just like that. So when we read the biblical account of the creation of men and women, it's special, isn't it? It's beautiful. And, And when I read this, it just makes me look at myself and go, man, God did something special. And if this doesn't make you feel special, I don't know what will. You are created a Mago Day. And let me tell you right now what that means. It's number one on your outline. Here's what this is A Mago Day is in his image. This is a Latin term. And and, uh, theologians use it a lot to describe the special care that God took when he created you and me. You are created Imago Dei. And and we just read these passages from the book of Genesis 1 and 2, and there's a couple of observations that I would make about what it means to be created in his image. The first one is this. Like God, humans are created male and female. Like God, humans are created male and female. This is really important for us to see right from Genesis chapter 1. You see, men, you aren't more special because you are male. Okay? And women, you are not inferior because you are female. 
God created men and women in the image of God. In fact, this tells us something important about God himself. God isn't a big, glowing, white male, regardless of what our picture looks like. God himself is both male and female. If we're going to understand this correctly, God has characteristics and traits of both male and female. And we all in this room are created imago Dei, male and female. Second thing that we saw in this story that I read just a short time ago is that like God, humans reign. God put men and women on the earth and said, now you reign over this earth. And, and, and it's interesting to me that he didn't say this to any other created being. He didn't say it to the zebras or the giraffes or the bison or, or, or any other creature, just men and women. He gave the authority to rule and reign over this earth. And this is, an ex- is not an excuse for us to abuse the earth and use the planet and abuse it and just do whatever we want because who's in charge of the whole cosmos? God himself reigns over the cosmos, and and we have a chain of command. We are responsible to care for this planet in obedience to the Lord. But we reign. It makes us like God that we can take control of this earth and, and build things and create things and make things beautiful and harness energy and make electricity. This is like God. We are created Imago Dei. But maybe most significantly what we see Imago Dei meaning is this. Like God, humans are moral, spiritual, and intellectual beings. These three characteristics, moral, spiritual, intellectual, this is what separates us from the animals. No other animal No other created being on this planet contains the capacity to be moral or intellectual or spiritual. How many of you have dogs? Okay. Um, Cats? All right. Uh, Those of you that have cats, you know your cat will kill you and eat you if it gets hungry enough, right? (laughs) There's There's no moral, there's no moral impulse in a cat, or in a dog for that matter, your dog will go and mate with anybody in the neighborhood if she's in heat, okay? There's no moral impulse in a dog, okay? This is what separates us from the animals. We are moral, intellectual, spiritual, unlike any other creation. You are created Imago Dei. But here's where we run into a little bit of a struggle. Actually, it's a really big struggle. Number two on your outline. Imago Dei has been broken. The image of God in you and in me has been broken. And this creates a crisis in our lives. Imago Dei, for many of us, or probably for all of us, really, Imago Dei has been broken by our sin. Romans 3.23 says, everybody has sinned. And and that sin breaks the image of God in us. It blocks our communion with God. Sin is such a destructive force because it, it, it takes this creation that God has created and breaks it. And whatever it is in your life that has brought brokenness to you, um, you, you know that sin has 
brought a, a, a level of destruction into your life that is painful and, and, uh, and maybe has even affected many other people. It, it affects your relationships. It affects your choices. We've been broken by sin. But Imago Dei is also, for many of us, broken by the sins of other people. You know what I'm talking about, right? There are people who make choices and they sin out of their own selfishness, out of their own ambition, out of their own impulses, whatever they may be, and the consequences may have affected you. I know lots of us in this room have been used and abused by other people, We've been thrown away and left like we're just garbage. And it breaks that Imago Dei in us. In fact, what, I, what I've seen uh, over years of just working with people, I've seen that quite often people who have suffered as a result of the sin of other people, a lot of times we struggle with our own value, our own self-worth, our own self-image, Right? Because people have treated us like garbage. And if that abuse goes on for a long enough period of time, before long we start believing that we're garbage. And maybe that's you today. You believe that you have no value, you have no worth, because people have never valued you. And so you have stopped valuing yourself. Imago Dei has been broken. And there's another way that Imago Dei is broken for lots of us. Many of us have broken Imago Dei by denying the creator. Here's what we read in Romans chapter 1. People who suppress the truth know the truth about God Because he has made it obvious to them through what has been created. In other words, if we look carefully at what God has created, it is obvious that there is a creator. And what Paul says in this chapter, Romans chapter 1, he says people are without excuse who claim that there is no creator because it's obvious to them. I did that illustration earlier about the mathematic impossibility of evolution. It's it's mathematically impossible for human beings to evolve in the time frame that this earth has been around, regardless of how you measure it. It's mathematically impossible. Last week, I shared a video of Sarah Zocker, and she talked about the complexity of atoms and molecules that can be observed through an atom microscope. And she said, it it tells me that there's a God because there's order and there's complexity. There has to be a creator holding it together because the laws of thermodynamics are, are, uh, are contradicted by the, by the idea that there's order in this universe. So why do people cling to this idea that we've just evolved out of a pool of soup? It has everything to do with this verse that's up on the screen. There's a theologian by the name of R.C. Sproul who says that the argument against the existence of a creator has nothing to do with intellectualism and it has everything to do with morality. Let me tell you what R.C. Sproul says. It's up on the screen. He says, people suppress the truth about God because they want to live in unbounded freedom. 
Let me just explain this one more time. It's not about intellectualism. It's about morality, according to R.C. Sproul. And people like to say there is no God. We're just products of evolution. One of the reasons they do so is because they don't want to answer two critical questions. The first question is, who is my creator? The second critical question is, what does he require of me? Those are two questions that lie at the core of every one of us. Where did I come from? What's my purpose in this life? Did somebody create me? And if so, what should I do? What, What does he require of me? And the easiest way to make those questions go away is to just say, well, there isn't a creator. So I have no moral responsibility. And if there's no creator, I don't need to deal with those questions. It's not an intellectual thing. It's a moral thing. But the Bible says there is a God, and you are created in his image. You are created Imago Dei. Now, we live in a college town. You all know that. Uh, Montana State University is uh, just a few miles away from, from here. And uh, I, I think it's fascinating. I've got a number of, of friends and colleagues that work with university students. And those of you that have, that have been students can't, you know, professors. We've got some professors in our congregation. Those of you that are on the campus a lot, you know that there is an unbounded uh, immorality that exists on the, on the college campus. And really, it's everywhere. But it, it's so, so uh, highly developed, if that's the right word, on campus. Undeveloped, whatever. And it has its roots in the idea that a creator doesn't exist. You know that humanism and evolution is such a core of the educational system in, in the university systems today. And what that leads to is young people who believe that there isn't a creator. They're just a random collection of molecules and atoms And so we might as well live in unbounded freedom, right? We might as well throw off restraint. And there's a lot of sociologists today that are telling us that the consequences, especially on college campuses, are dire. Young people who can't sustain relationships because they go from one-night stand to one-night stand to one-night stand. Unwanted pregnancies. STIs. Some of you don't know what that is. For those of you that are my age and older, we used to call it VD. (laughs) Sexually transmitted infections. And there's other consequences that are coming from this unbounded uh, freedom. And God never intended for us to reap these kinds of consequences. But it comes, friends, because Imago Dei has been broken. Mago Dei has been broken by our sin. It's been broken by the sins of others that have affected us. It's been broken because we've denied our creator. Can I just ask you a question right here before we go to number three? How has Imago Dei been broken in your life? How do you view yourself? Are you broken? Are you here today and you need healing from that brokenness? If you do, I've got really good news for you today. And it's number three on your outline. 
Imago Dei has been restored by Jesus. I loved that song that we sang just before uh, we took our break today about uh, sharing in the identity of Jesus because he's alive, I'm alive. And this is the truth about Imago Dei because Jesus is perfect. Because Jesus is the mirror image of God. He gives that image to you and I again, no matter how broken we've been. Here's what we read in the book of Hebrews. It says, By his Son, God created the world in the beginning, and it will all belong to the Son at the end. The Son... Jesus perfectly mirrors God and is stamped with God's nature. This is who Jesus is. He perfectly mirrors God. And at just the right time, Jesus came to this earth and he lived and he died and he rose again so that you and I could have the Imago Dei restored. We were created Imago Dei But it was broken, but now Jesus wants to restore that Imago Dei in you. No matter what the the source of your brokenness is, Jesus wants to restore it to you. And here's something that is so encouraging to me. Romans 8, 29. And if you're taking notes here, would would you just take a moment to stop writing and just, just listen intently right here? This is so important for you to understand. Romans 8, 29 says this. For those whom God foreknew... He also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. There's a couple of things I just want to unpack right here. This verse starts with the foreknowledge of God. What this means is that God knows ahead of time if you will say yes to Jesus or not. And if you've said yes to Jesus, then his predestination kicks in. Some of you have have grown up in churches that preach predestination, right? So you you understand what predestination is. It means that God has decided ahead of time what's going to happen. Well, he doesn't take away your choice. It's not that you don't have any kind of choice, but he knows what your choice will be. And once you say yes to Jesus, his predestination kicks in. And what are you predestined for? To be conformed to the image of Jesus. This is powerful because what I want you to know today is that if you've received Jesus into your life, God is causing you to become more and more like Jesus all the time. God is at work in you, creating you to be more and more like Jesus. God is doing something powerful in you because he wants the Imago Dei to be restored in your life instead of broken. So when you look in the mirror and the reflection that you see back in that mirror, it's starting to look more and more like Jesus all the time. Now for some of us, we look in the mirror every morning and we hate what we see. I won't have you raise your hands but a lot of us really hate what we see when we look in the mirror, right? I used to look in the mirror and I said, I hate my chin. Got all this flabby skin hanging down here. 
hate my chin. So I grew a beard. Now I look in the mirror and I say, that beard is beautiful. Some of us look in the mirror and we just see brokenness. Some of us look in the mirror and we see so much brokenness that we avert our eyes. And it's not about what we look like. It's, it's about that brokenness that we've rejected ourselves. And we've said, that person in the mirror is not acceptable. I want you to hear something very important today. God created you in his image. That's how you started. And he loves you. He created you perfect. He created you by his plan. And regardless of how you were broken, he then sent Jesus so that Imago Day could be restored in you. And more and more every day, you're looking so much more like Jesus. Imago Day has been restored by Jesus. Would you bow your heads with me? Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for restoring the image of God to us. Thank you, Jesus, for coming to this earth and dying and exchanging our brokenness for your perfection, for your wholeness, for your completeness. Thank you, Jesus, for forgiving our sins for wiping the slate clean. Thank you, Jesus, that today we can be healed and restored. And today, Jesus, as we just spend a few moments in prayer, in worship, we invite you, Jesus, to restore Imago Day to us. Thank you.